0: Yeah, Somehow I still have more to say. I'm taking Batman here for a walk at the Evergreen State College. It's a perfect place to talk about this. But I just want to add, you know, because every time I end an episode, I have 50 more thoughts that would have been relevant, and it's it's torture. Sometimes I just let the torture play out, but other times i got to say something. And, you know, it, it should go without saying that you don't yell Hitler in a crowded synagogue. And you don't say to your Jewish friends, why don't you just look at Hitler's art objectively? You know, you don't do that. It's why I always emphasize time and place. But where my argument comes from is that just because there's a time and a place where a subject is inappropriate or just unintelligent, because, I mean, those scenarios I just described is just unintelligent, unaware, or, or aware, but aware in a devious, mean-spirited way. Mean-spirited awareness. But, um, you know, it's like, like, just because something is inappropriate in a certain time and place, and you should be well-reasoned enough to know kind of when that is. Uh, come on, Betty. Sometimes it's like, I let him pee on everything he wants. Like he, he loves to mark his territory, but sometimes when he's just smelling for too long, I'm like, hey, "You've smelled enough of another dog's pee. You're either either pee, either piss over their pee." So Batman doesn't pee; he pisses. I don't pee; I piss. But other dogs pee. Batman pisses, and he pisses over their pee. Anyway, stupid. Um, there's a time and a place to say piss. There's a time and a place to say pee. You say pee when you're talking to a child or your girlfriend. You say piss when you're talking to your fellow men or your dog. But anyway, like you know, there's a time and a place definitely not to do certain things. But just because there's a time and a place not to deal with certain subject matter doesn't mean that there's no time and place for it, and that's central to my argument on this. And, yeah, there's an element of chaos because you have to be the judge, but hopefully you're aware enough to know when it's appropriate and when it's not to say something or talk about something. And that's one of the reasons, too, why, like, I just, I, I've made this show, I buried this show more and more because I, I don't need, I don't need more scrutiny than I already put myself through. But anyway... You know, you're not going to yell Hitler in a crowded synagogue. I should go without saying. But it also bothers me that everything has to be presented as a learning experience. Like if there is art that somebody could potentially see as offensive, or if a notorious bad person did art, sometimes people are willing to let it be presented, but it has to be a learning experience. Like it has to be a lesson. And I don't think that's necessary at all. Like, if you're going to learn something from it, you're going to learn something from it. It'll speak for itself. And so it kind of goes hand-in-hand with disclaimers. Like, when you present something as a learning experience, and the only way to look at it is to learn, is to gain insight into this bad person, well, you're forcing context. And if there is something to take from it, people will take that thing from it, because they're not stupid. Because all this comes from a place of thinking people are too stupid to interpret things on their own, which is also the source of censorship, is thinking that people are too stupid to interpret this and understand it on their own. They'll be misled. And that's my dilemma always, is just like, I've repeated to myself over and over again for the last 10 years that people aren't stupid. And I know better than anybody that people do stupid things, and there are stupid people, but... I have to repeat that mantra to myself because I don't want to be like these other people who see people as fundamentally stupid and in need of my guidance. I don't offer guidance to anybody, I just offer my perspective. And it's extremely important that I don't fall into the trap of thinking that people are stupid, especially when they don't agree with me. And all this stuff does come from a place of thinking that people are too stupid to properly interpret art, in this case. In this case, I'm focusing more on art, but it applies to everything else as well. Hey, buddy, come on. And uh, with that thought in mind, though, you know, it's a dilemma for me. Because people will continually show you that they use poor judgment, or they can be easily misled. But I just, I can't let that become... You know, because it's stupid to think that everyone is stupid, and you end up doing stupid things when you view your fellow human beings that way. And honestly, most atrocity comes from that. Most atrocity comes not from stupidity itself, but from the belief that everyone else is stupid, and that you have the answers. There's a little baby deer over there. Come on, Batty, come on, we gotta go, man. We're right in between a mama deer and a baby deer, and I want to get through. We don't need to stall to piss on things right now. Last thing I want to do is get between a mama deer and a baby deer. But yeah, you know, with art, like, the thing is, too, it's like this need to to force a context. Like, if you are going to, if you're not going to outright censor something or destroy it, going back to, like, Hitler's art there's a need to force a context oh we can learn from this we can we can understand his dark psychology and it's just it's funny cuz it's like i see dark and notorious people as acceptable artists in their own right and it doesn't need to be framed around what they did i mean here's an example like serial killer art i believe i know this was a policy in the past and i think it might still be but where you couldn't sell original art by serial killers on ebay and it plays into those son of sam laws where you can't profit off of like a killer can't profit off of his notoriety i don't know exactly how that all breaks down because sometimes they do write books and they, they obviously do have a platform so i'm not sure how that all breaks down but i know at least in the past and i i doubt they've gotten more lenient i mean all of these services have gotten more and more heavily censored and I can't imagine that they've amended this rule, but you couldn't buy serial killer art on eBay. And a friend of mine, not that long ago, it was a couple years ago, within the last few years, she bought a an original Richard Ramirez drawing. You know, he's known for just he's produced a lot of art. (laughs) He'll just draw a sketch and people buy it. Like she paid I think a few hundred dollars for it, maybe five, six hundred at the most. And it's like it's like some kind of zombie head. It's a skull. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's funny because like I was over at her house, and she was doing some rearranging, and there were just random objects all over the place. Like just her stuff was all over, and I just like looked down, and right next to my foot on the floor was the, was the Richard Ramirez drawing, and it, it was in a frame and everything. But it's like I, I could have stepped on it. Like if I hadn't been thinking, I easily could have just stepped on this Richard Ramirez drawing. And it was just, that was a funny moment to me, because I'm like, here is something that was created by Richard Ramirez's hand. Like, that piece of paper was in, was in Richard Ramirez's prison cell, and he was holding a pen and touching that paper with that pen. Like, that is an original. It's not a print. So here, this like, infamous serial killer's handiwork is right next to my foot, and I almost stepped on it. And I just loved how casual it was. Like, I like that she just kind of casually, like, put it on the floor just off to the side while she was rearranging, and that's funny to me. (laughs) That is funny. Um, Would it be funny if, you know, if Richard Ramirez killed your grandma, and you looked down and somebody had just casually placed a Richard Ramirez drawing? That would probably suck. That would probably suck, man. But it is just funny to me that, like, how casual it can be. But, you know, serial killer art has been treated the same way. And it, as someone who had a long-standing interest in that subject, that's, a great, that's another great example of how things have to have this disclaimer or this uh, forced contextualization where people see that and it's like, oh, you know, maybe it'll give us psychological insight into the brain of a killer... Maybe. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I've certainly taken that perspective before. It's one of the reasons why you should be allowed to look at that art. But I don't think you have to do that. You can seriously just be like, here is a piece of art that is powerful in its own right because it came from somebody who rebelled against society to the highest degree possible. A truly antisocial person who did horrible things. To me, it's like a folk art sort of attitude that says, like, art has to be happy, or art has to convey something that that is somehow enriching. It doesn't have to enrich the culture, you know? It doesn't have to... I don't know, I mean, I don't feel like I'm alone in this at all, but it does feel like a very lonely place these days. Because it's like, like, at what point do you have to, at, at what point, some girls playing, what are they playing? Looks like Ultimate Frisbee or something. Doesn't look, not know. There's a deer out here too, right in the middle of the big field. Now it feels good talking about Hitler at the Evergreen State College. I mean, I'm sure that the name Hitler must be invoked here every day. But anyway, Batty, what are you doing, man? Come on. He loves to run through fields, but he's pulling hard in one direction. He's very curious about these girls playing. What are they playing? I'm very curious what sport this is. It's not ultimate frisbee. It's got a ball. Is it dodgeball? Sorry, I'm just, I'm very curious because I've never seen this sport before. And they have a coach who's instructing them and Batty's like fascinated by what they're doing, which he's normally not, you know, at least both of us are in the same position here. And, uh, but, but anyway, um, you know, it's like if a, a dark and notorious person creates art, I mean, I don't disconnect it from that like this richard ramirez drawing that i'm talking about that was next to my foot it didn't uh, it it wasn't interesting to me it wouldn't have been interesting to me if i didn't know who did it it would just look like a very rough sketch someone did of like a a demonic head or a skull so you can't separate it's not like i'm i'm not one of these people who makes the argument that you sh- you should or even can separate the art from the artist but there's just some, some built-in bullshit in that idea, which is the idea that you even need to. Where it's like, why would you need to separate them? You're not endorsing them as a person either way. And who they are and what they did is, is an important part of their art. Like, for example, like if you see Hitler's scenic landscape paintings or his architectural paintings... You wouldn't give them a second glance. Like, I mean, you might look at them and be like, oh, that's that's a well-done painting of Bavarian architecture. But you take a second look because you know old Adolphus, Fornicus, Hitlerus did it. So I'm not somebody who ever tries to separate the art from the artist because to me that's just a bogus idea to begin with, the idea that... there's any reconciliation required when it comes to art. Like that you need to reconcile who that artist is versus what they created. I don't think you can completely separate them. I mean, I saw this a lot years ago, probably about like 20 years ago with Burzum. A lot of disclaimers, a lot of forced contextualization there a lot of conversations about separating the art from the artist why do you need i mean you don't have to separate them to appreciate it or take an interest and i mean that's the distinction i've been i made in the last episode is that appreciation or even just enjoyment isn't necessarily endorsement taking an interest in something isn't endorsement So why is this a problem? And I understand that it's kind of a naturally occurring problem, like it is something that we have to think about as people when we're interested in something. But in any given time in history we have certain subject matter and certain people that are unacceptable. And the reality is, that same dilemma exists in everything. There are plenty of artists who do shitty things. There are plenty of artists who... It's come out, they've like abused... Like Dr. Dre. Like he was notorious for beating his first wife. Like he he apparently beat her all the time. And he would cheat on her and then come home and tell her about it. Like he, he really mentally and physically abused his wife. Yet people wear Beats by Dre headphones. They haven't stopped listening to Dr. Dre. Maybe somebody has, but it's like... I don't even think you need to separate the art and the artist to do that, but it's interesting that that one just kind of gets brushed under the rug, whereas, like, talking about Burzum or anything else, or Hitler, Dr. Dre, Burzum, and Hitler, we we make a distinction there on, like, which one is acceptable and which one isn't, and how we contextualize it, like, it's almost all this stuff it's baddie, man you're not even wanting to walk sometimes he just refuses to walk and it's a dominance thing like he'll only want to walk for five minutes and then just try to go back to the car i don't understand it entirely but it's definitely a dominance issue and so i end up dragging him and i feel embarrassed and like i'm mean or something forcing him to walk you think about dogs love to walk all right good boy you're walking now you're walking now but anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, you'll find that anywhere. It's like I was talking about in your family tree, like the girl that I dated who was deeply ashamed that some of her ancestors were part of the Confederacy, and it's like, I, I recommend stopping there if that bothers you. If you sit down and you meditate on your bloodline, even even if there's no data to back it up, you'll know you'll know all kinds of things lurk in that, the darkness of your blood and your ancestry. And you might not entirely be proud of, uh, you know, what some of those people were and what they did, but it's the same thing for art and music today, where it's just like, there's a decent chance with any given artist that if, if you dig in enough or, or just talk to somebody they know, that happens a lot. Where If you've ever met somebody who like grew up with an artist... They'll be like, oh, yeah, well, he did this when he was this age and he's an asshole, you know, it's just and that's an interesting thing in and of itself, like the fact that, you know, slandering and shutting down artists and giving somebody the inside scoop on them is such a priority. Like I was, it's that same girl, the Confederacy girl. <laughs> guess what? You, you told the wrong person your deep, dark family secret, because now to me, you're just the Confederacy girl. But uh, she was a big fan of this band. It included two of my close childhood friends, and I, I'm not really in contact with them anymore, but they, they got really famous for what they did, and it's it's really cool that they did that with their lives. I really do applaud them. But, but she found out that, like, I, I knew those guys and that, and I was hanging out with her and her friend, who was also a fan of that band, and she obviously told her friend that I grew up with those guys, and it wasn't like I brought it up in some nasty way, like, oh, you know, I grew up with your favorite band. It, it came up naturally. You know, you're going to mention that you, she brought that band up, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I know them. Trust me, I'm not not trying to use... Friendships from the distant past to like pick up girls. I'd rather, I'd, honest, I'd honestly rather blow my head off. If I were using my childhood friendship with guys who ended up in a well known band to try to impress a girl, I would rather blow my head off with a 12 gauge shotgun. I, I promise you that. But it came up naturally. And then she had told her friend, who was also a fan, and I met up with her and her friend, and her friend like casually dropped that band. You know, she mentioned something about them. And then there was this pregnant pause. Like, you could tell that they were wanting me to, like, give them information. Or even just confirm it. And I said nothing. You know, obviously she told her friend that I knew those guys back when I was younger. And they were close friends of mine. You know, we went through times together, good and bad, but... I'm not going to pretend they're still my friends, still close friends. You know, I talked to one of them, I think it was earlier this year, briefly. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to give you any, like, I don't have any exciting stories. I could tell you about how we got in fights over AOL Instant Messenger, over stupid stuff. I could tell you about random teenage adventures we went on. But I, I have no cool stories for a fan and I'm certainly not going to launch into some kind of shit talk, so it was just kind of an awkward thing, but it's kind of like we're always looking for somebody to give us the scoop on an artist, and a lot of that scoop is something negative, and then we repeat it oh i I heard it's like that guy I always talk about at the bar in my hometown talking about how his cousin knew Sylvester Stallone and how they called him ego Stallone It's just gossip but it's like we like we like hearing negative gossip about anybody but there's a particularly strong draw with artists and it often revolves around them having big egos them being assholes them doing bad things them not really being who they present themselves as and i've participated in all that this all comes from experience I've, I've done all this you know i'm not you think i'm innocent? There's a reason why I, I've paid attention to this shit. There's a reason why I recognize it. I'm I'm as prone to doing this as anybody. But it's just kind of that strange thing where it's like, we want the scoop. Oh, you knew them? Give me the scoop. Oh, you knew Hitler? I mean, that's kind of what people did with Hitler's friend. This one guy came out of the woodwork, and he was Hitler's childhood friend. They didn't see each other for decades or like a 10, I don't know, 10 years. I think they didn't see each other for 10, 15 years. And then when Hitler became the chancellor, the Fuhrer, he invited that guy as like his guest of honor. It was like his, his best, his only, the people, that's like the whole thing too, is they presented it as, this was his only friend, which is a form of his art sucks. Because I've seen that where people are like, Hitler didn't have any friends. He was a loser. That might be true. He, that might've been his only friend. He was a strange guy, we know that much. But still, it's another form of that. Another version of this is, you know, with the Golden State Killer, or as I knew him, (laughs) in my day we called him the original Night Stalker, not to be confused with Richard Ramirez, but we knew him as the original Night Stalker, and then Patton Oswalt's wife called him the Golden State Killer, which I admit is is a, a much more... It's a much easier way to keep track of who he is than the original Night Stalker. But anyway, you know, Joseph James D'Angelo, we know his name now, which we didn't know when I talked about him on an old Every Night's a School Night episode seven years ago. But Joseph James D'Angelo, like, he was known because all of his victims said that he had a small penis, an abnormally small penis, like these blindfolded women knew even though some of them didn't even see it, they knew that he had a small penis. But that became, like, its own version of But His Art Sucks, where, like, you'll, you'll see where, like, in many of the different places you can read about the Golden State Killer, people need to preface it with And he has a small penis, too. And I couldn't care less. Make fun of that guy all you want. He did horrible things to people. He ruined lives. He killed a lot of people he's a rapist, like, please, like, the least that guy deserves is to have his manhood mocked. But what I'm commenting on is this same sort of mechanism where people feel that in order to even talk about him, you have to bring up his, his, his small dicky. And, I don't know, it's, it's a way of, like, you think you're, it's a way of, like, knocking someone down a peg, it's a way of communicating that you don't condone this. You don't condone you're not you're not glorifying this guy clearly because you're mocking his dicky but it's it's kind of the same to me as like someone who feels like in order to discuss Hitler you have to talk about how his art sucked and he had no friends in order to discuss a serial killer you have to talk about how he had a small penis you know it's just it's this kind of it's a form of disclaimer it's it's a form of signaling that you're not on board with this horrible person and I you know, I, I guess I come from a place, like, as cynical as I can be, as dark as, as I sometimes view the world, if somebody's talking about a serial killer or they're talking about Adolf Hitler, I don't default to assuming they're glorifying him. Like, my default response isn't that, oh, you didn't point out some petty flaw about that person. You must be glorifying him. Like, that's not my default view. And that, that's one of those things that makes me question whether or not I'm truly that cynical or not. The fact that, like, I can read somebody, say something about somebody, and even if there's no disclaimer or no, like, petty insults directed toward that person, I just kind of assume they're not on board with them. Unless they say they are. And p- some people do that. Like, you can find people who glorify serial killers. You can find people who glorify Hitler. They're all over the place. Not in as large a numbers as I think people want to believe. Because even the things that I've said here the last couple days, somebody would say, I'm glorifying him. Because they're, they're off their rocker. They're off balance. But, uh you know the the, act, the people out there who are actually glorifying these people i think are a relatively small group and because of that i don't default to the view that talking about them at all without some sort of disclaimer or forced context or petty remark i don't default to the view that they are glorifying them if they don't do that and you know i've done that before that's the thing and I mean, I, I recently experienced this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was working on a, a long piece of writing. I've been taking a break from it, but it, it deals with the mafia. It's me using all my years of research, all my, the people I've been in contact with to finally put together a book about the mafia that I want to read. And I'm taking a little breather from it, but I wrote a lot of material. But as I was writing it, I questioned, I was like, Do I need to qualify anything in this? Do I need to explicitly say that these guys do bad things? Because I'm looking at it from a sociological viewpoint and a subcultural viewpoint because the mafia is not Sicilian culture, but it is a Sicilian subculture. And so I've been looking at the mafia through the lens of sociology, genealogy, and viewing it as a subculture, And I wrote a little intro for it where I I say I'll be talking about this objectively. I have no illusions about the criminal conduct of this group. I mean, this is a group, the mafia, the only rule that they, the only crime they swear to commit when they take their oath is kill. They take an oath that says I will kill if the organization asks me to. They will, in, in Old Sicily, they would induct doctors, they would induct noblemen. There were guys with titles like Marquis. There were rich people. It's not a... It's not a. Mafia didn't develop because poor people were trying to get money and get ahead. It's a far more multifaceted and complex phenomenon than people even know. And so you had people from all kinds of different classes. You know, speaking of social classes, you had all kinds of different people from different social classes. And some of them were used for different reasons. All of them provided a resource. All of them provided the mafia with an, adv- an advantage. But when they would, say, induct a doctor into the mafia... And in, in early Sicily, there were a lot of doctors. In, in the early U.S., too, they, when the mafia was still much more Sicilian, they, they actually would induct doctors as well. And these were practicing physicians. They weren't street criminals. Often they were from a fairly affluent background, a middle-class background. But they came from the tradition of Cosa Nostra, which means they had relatives, they were from a town that was dominated by Cosa Nostra so you know that that played a role in how they became members these weren't just random guys off the street like hey let's, let's bring a doctor into our highly selective secret society no it was very much based on that guy came from within the subculture that's why I emphasize subculture these are people who were already part of the subculture through their heritage through their relations their values already reflected that because they came from villages dominated from the mafia, neighborhoods of Palermo dominated by the mafia. Um, <laughs> but uh, point being is that while I, while I was working on these writings, I made it a point to be objective. I'm like, this doesn't need to be a condemnation, because the facts alone, the, the facts alone illustrate that. And and what are the facts? The facts are this is a group that. While some of them commit street crimes, some of them commit other crimes, some of them run legitimate businesses, some of them are mayors, some of them are doctors, but what they all have in common is they all took a blood oath to commit murder for this organization and do, do whatever this organization asks of them, you know, in that regard, and that speaks for itself and as as i was working on this writing i bring up many examples of horrible things the mafia has done especially murder i bring up some of the crimes that they were involved in over the over the years because it's like their their crimes change but they the mafia itself stays relatively similar in terms of their philosophy structure rules but they change with the times in 18 83, Sicily, there was a big case where they were dominating the mining industry in a small town on the Sicilian coast, and they were. They also had a highly organized cattle wrestling operation. This will be interesting driving. Um, I'm not going to turn it off, but so they, they had a... So their crimes change to where... You know, one of the early rural, because a lot of the mafia is largely a rural phenomenon. It's not an urban phenomenon like we think of in the US, where they're all in New York. A lot of these guys came from small farming villages. You heard Morrissey there for a second. Great car music. Um But uh it was actually the Smiths, but it was Morrissey's voice. But but anyway, uh point being is like they would they when they were when when the mafia organizations were this rural phenomenon, they would control water irrigation. Like, you had to pay a mafia tax to get your farm irrigated. They would do organized cattle rustling. You know, so the mafia changes its activities, but it still maintains the fact that it's the mafia. And so all of that just... Do you need to moralize on top of that? Like, when I'm writing about that, do I need to say that that's bad? Do I need to say... These horrible people did cattle rustling and they stole from innocent farmers. They stole goats. They did. They stole goats from innocent farmers. Do I need to say that they're horrible on top of that? Do I need to say that the mafia does horrible things? They commit crimes. They kill people on top of describing? I mean, it goes back to the explanation versus description point that I always make, which is don't explain when you can simply describe. You can describe what the mafia did, but the second you start moralizing, the second you try to force some kind of context, the second you kind of put some sort of judgment or petty remark, well, now you're explaining, you're explaining, you're not describing the phenomenon. And we live in an era of just unfiltered explanation. Everything is explained to you. That's what all this trust the experts garbage is. Is It's all people forcing explanations and then when they're wrong you just go oh oh well we were wrong moving along there's something else we're all, they're already explained here's, here's the genius of it and I don't even think it's completely by design but it's like Right when you realize their last explanation was bullshit, you're already caught up in their next explanation for something else. So you, so you're, ca- you never even get a chance. Like most people out there, they don't even get a chance to realize all these explanations are nonsense. And it's like, describe it to me, doctor. Describe it to me, doctor. But that's it. I want a description. And that's all you need to do, because people are more than capable of assessing the information on their own. Describe what Hitler did. If you need to. Everybody knows. But describe what Hitler did. Don't explain to me. Don't explain that he's a bad guy. I can infer that. I can infer from the information that's widely available that Hitler was a bad guy. I don't need an explanation on top of that. So that's where I come from with that and so all, this, all these things that I'm talking about... Disclaimers... These petty remarks... Moralizing... If you present the facts as they are... If you simply describe... Who someone is and what happened... That's all you need... And so that was something that I took into account... When I was working on this writing... Is just that I, at no point do I need to... Moralize... I want to write about the mafia... As objectively as possible... And the phenomenon of the mafia when objectively described, doesn't make them out to be good guys. Hitler, is much different from the mafia, but still, when Hitler is accurately described, you don't need to add on top of that, oh, did you know he's also a bad guy? Oh, did you know that those things make him bad? Did you know that the guy who signed off on the final solution to eradicate Jewish people from Europe, did you know he's also a bad guy? And his art sucks. And he has a small penis. And it used to be... Like, before things got more politically correct... Another form of that was... Spreading rumors that someone was gay. Like, people have said that about Hitler... Because... I don't think any evidence has come out... That he ever had any kind of homoerotic relationship with anybody... But Ernst Röhm and... You know, some of the... SA... They were gay. And because Hitler... I mean, he eventually had him killed... But because Hitler worked with Ernst Rahm for many years, and he was one of Hitler's top guys for a while, people like were like, oh, because Hitler tolerated a gay man, he might be gay. But that used to be something people would spread about someone like Hitler, various people. It used to be a way to slander someone, say, you know, we're thinking he might have been gay. But now that, now that the, the narrative is there's nothing wrong with being gay, you see that less often. You see far fewer people... Because I used to see that a lot, actually. I used to see a lot of references to Hitler being gay. But it's kind of funny that as our society has become more accepting of gay men, you don't really see that used as a barb. And you actually don't even see that narrative often anymore. Like, you used to see people really go all in on the idea that Hitler was secretly gay. But it's funny how, like, the way that we moralize shifts where it's like, hey, you know uh, it turns out, uh, you know society is is more accepting of gay people now, therefore we don't need to use invented stories of homoeroticism to ruin Hitler's bad name because that's the thing, it's funny, it's like you're trying to come up with petty remarks to give somebody with a bad name an even worse name (laughs) you know, it's like Let's see how we can make this guy's name worse. Oh, you know what will make people really finally realize that Hitler sucks? To insult his art. Might as well just make up a small penis rumor. You know, why not? You know, while you, while we're doing it, you might as well just say he has a small penis. Anyway, I'm back home. Got to get Batty unloaded. I'll keep this. We've got a half hour. We've got We got an extra 40 minutes. You know, is that necessary? Probably not, but you know, I got to talk sometimes. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. Take